0: God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to be with you. Lord, thank you that you want to speak to us, that that is your desire. Thank you that you love us so much you reach out to us, and you continue to reach out and draw us into you. And we ask, Lord, as we open your word, that you would touch and anoint it. God, I pray for each one of us today, Lord, that you would Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God, that you give us a mind to understand your truths before us. And Lord, I pray for a heart to receive these things that we may apply them to our lives. And so, Jesus, we ask for your special blessing upon us. Speak to us, Lord, and anoint this time with your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I was recently reading this article on the top tech for cars. Now, it's not just USB charging ports, you know, for our phones or rear view cameras anymore. There's more things that you may want to really look for, especially as you maybe the next time you go out and buy your car. For example, uh, some of the things on the list, one of the things was compatibility with Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. So the idea is being able to connect your smartphone to your car is a big thing these days. You know, play your music, listen to podcasts, and of course, hands-free cell phone calls is very important for safe driving. Another thing uh, uh, in this top tech things for cars was uh, connecting your car to mobile apps and i thought this was interesting many car manufacturers manufacturers now have apps that allow you to remotely lock your car unlock your car even start your car without even being there and i think that's so you can even turn your air con, air on ahead of time so you know it's nice and cool when you get in the car on a hot day another thing listed was rear cross traffic And what that is is sensors to keep an eye on things like cars passing behind you, shopping carts rolling across the parking lot, even people walking behind the car, and it makes reversing out of the space more safe. How about this one? This is called this, teen driver technology, Now, this system is where owners can program the key so that when the car is borrowed by your teenage driver, the engine power and speed limit are capped. (laughs) The distance traveled can be monitored, and even the sound system's volume is locked down. (laughs) Chevrolet even has a system that will also give you a report card basically telling you Or telling worried parents if the car had to brake suddenly. Oh, and they probably have GPS in there, like, you know, tracking where you went. Lastly, I thought this was uh, very important, is lane departure warning. Maybe some of you have experienced that. I, I, I drove a rental car with this, lane departure warning. This system alerts the driver when he or she is drifting across the lane line with a vibration like your steering wheel will vibrate or you'll hear a sound of beeps going on. Some cars will even adjust the car for you or even they say in certain Mercedes and Volvo cars, they'll keep the steering wheel centered to automatically maintain it in the lane oh, it's all part of the AI taking over, yeah, our world and cars and everything like that, right? No. Anyway, but it, it's good, right? I mean, how many accidents were uh, from someone falling asleep at the wheel and drifting into oncoming traffic? Well, these technology things are great, and especially I was thinking about this lane drifting thing. Well, I, As we continue in our study through the book of Hebrews, we find here actually in our passage a warning to be careful not to drift now from the truth that is in Jesus, which is really the word of God. So you must be cautious, and here's the warning, of the dangerous drift. And that's the title of our message this morning, the dangerous drift, the dangerous drift. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1 through 4 this morning. We finished up the last chapter uh, last week, and now we move on to chapter 2 in our study here. Now, this dangerous drift happens when you're this, and this is our outline, when you're number one, ignoring the connection, number two, ignoring the consequences, and number three, ignoring the confirmation. And that's what we're going to be seeing in our passage here. So let's begin here. The dangerous drift, it happens when you're, number one, ignoring the connection, ignoring the connection. Take a look with me here now, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It reads here, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. All right. We begin here in our passage with how important it is to give, the writer says here, more earnest heed. Now, that means we must listen carefully. That means we must pay close attention. And what is that to? Well, he says here, to the things we heard. Well, what things? What are those things? Well, he's talking about the truth about Jesus and his words. So as we move into this chapter, the writer's saying this in light of who Jesus is, we must not ignore what Jesus has said. Notice the first word here in verse 1, it says, therefore. And as you guys know, whenever you see the word therefore, you got to ask, why is it therefore, right? Well, here, therefore is that conjunction. It's that word that connects us from last chapter to this chapter. Now, if you remember in chapter 1, we saw, in the and really, and this was the title of our messages, like first in the first part of chapter 1, our title was, Jesus is above all. And then last time we saw that Jesus is greater than angels. Now, all of this, this whole last chapter, chapter 1, it showed us how Jesus is, remember, the creator, the maker, and sustainer of everything, of this universe, galaxy, of, of everything. He made us. He's also the self-sufficient one, the eternal God. He is also the Savior, right? God the Son who came to die on the cross for our sins. He's also, as we saw last time, the Sovereign Lord who sits on the throne. And as we talked about angels last time, he, they serve Him, right? As the Lord. So we also saw this too, that Jesus is where you find God's absolute and complete truth. And I think that was in the first message that we did in Hebrews a few weeks ago. Because remember how in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it says, In these last days God has spoken to us by His Son. So you get the idea from chapter 1. Now as we crossing over to chapter 2, the writer says, Therefore, in other words, since Jesus is the Lord God, since he's the one who came and brought us this truth, since Jesus is the Lord, isn't it important to pay really close attention to what he has to say? And no wonder the writer says here in this first verse that we must, we must. And the writer so goes on here to say why it is important to pay close attention to what Jesus has said. And why is that? Well, at the end of verse 1, what does it say? Lest we drift away. What is he saying? Well, it's easy for us to drift away. Drift away from what? Drift drift away from God. The word here, drift away, in the original language is actually one word, and it is uh, in the Greek, parateo. And it means uh, to basically Be just drifting away in what it says. It's been it's used actually, this Greek word in a nautical way to describe when a ship has drifted like out of safe harbor due to carelessness, like it wasn't tied up very well. So the idea is this: if you ignore what the Lord says, you will drift off course in your life. You'll drift off course. In, in how you see things. You'll drift off course spiritually. You'll drift off course. You'll get, you'll move and wander away from the Lord. I like the way uh, the commentator Griffith Thomas put it. He said, the protection against drifting is to have Christ as the anchor and rudder of life. The anchor will hold us to the truth while the rudder will guide us by the truth. So I love that. I love this idea. I mean, if you think about it, right? God who created us, right? God who made everything and made salvation and made life. I mean, shouldn't he know how to live life? Shouldn't he know what it's about, salvation, and what we're supposed to do? And the answer is yes, yes. So we should not ignore that connection between who Jesus is and what he says. And that's the connection here. That's what we shouldn't ignore. Well, this is what the writer is saying. This is our point. You must make what Jesus said important to you, or you will drift away from God. I mean, if Jesus is the Lord and God speaks, what are we going to do? We're supposed to listen, right? So you must make what Jesus said important to you, or you will drift away from God you know there's those times I'm out in the water and I'm sitting there on my surfboard and waiting for the set to come in and my mind starts to just think about things and thinking about the study for Sunday or Wednesday and then my mind just kind of drifts I'm just thinking waiting for the set and you know I, I I it's my mind just wanders off now I'm looking out you know into the horizon, out into the ocean, and then I see some sets coming, but then I I look and go, I'm not in the right spot where the waves are breaking. I turn around, and and the shore is all different now, the beach, because what happened? The current has pulled me across, and I've drifted into near the other side of the bay, and then I got to paddle back to where the break is. I mean, you understand that, right? In the ocean, we can drift, and For me, without even noticing, I had drifted away. Well, that's like what the writer is talking about here. When we don't consider God's word as important, when we don't put that in an important place in our life, you know what's going to happen? We're going to drift away. And I'll tell you, many have crashed on the rocks because they have entered into the dangerous drift. Does that describe you? Have you drifted away? Maybe you've come in this morning and and you're realizing, whoa, you know what? I've been far away from God. Or maybe there's situations that you're in and you've crashed on those rocks of life. Let me say, you have to watch out for those currents, right? The currents of worldliness pulling at you. The currents of sexual immorality moving your soul. The currents of even doubt and fear Fear, drawing away from faith and trust in God. And then I think about even the undercurrents, right? Those dangerous undercurrents. Undercurrents of fleshly desires taking control of us. Undercurrents of, of bitterness, that unforgiveness that sweep you off your feet. Undercurrents of, of emotions that come up from underneath you that are not of God and lead you away from the Lord. Know that these currents and undercurrents, they're not of the Lord, right? Have you drifted from God? Have you drifted away? Those things are not of the Lord. I was thinking about 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And like me on my board, think about when you drift, most of the time you don't even notice it. Right? You don't even know how far you've drifted until you see how far you've gone. Let me ask you this question. Have you lost that desire for the Bible to be in the Word? Have you lost that desire to pray to God and spend time with Him? Have you lost that desire even to share Jesus Christ with someone? Have you lost that awareness of the presence of God in your life? If so, you you guys, you're in that dangerous drift. How does that happen? What's going on? You know what happens? We ignore that connection. Jesus, what he said, isn't as important to us anymore. And we drift away and we ignore that connection between who Jesus is and what Jesus has said. It's when you stop honoring God and respecting the word of God and you start to, you know, basically, we live and do what we want. And not what the Word of God says. One of the commentators I read, uh, Thomas Lee, shared of a time when uh, he got a new projector. And it was one of those, it was a story from a long time ago, one of those old time projectors, not like our modern digital age, but you know, it was film, reel to reel projector. Now, he said that it came with instructions, it had a manual, but he thought, nah, I'd done this before a long time ago. I know how to thread film through the the spools and sprockets and the wheels. And and he tried, but after many times, you know what? He gave up. And then he noticed on the handle of the projector was this little tag. And on the tag it read, Before you try your way, read about our way. (laughs) I love that. So you know what? He broke out the manual and and looked at the diagram, learned how to thread the film, and got it going. And then he wrote this. Doing it my way hadn't worked. The manufacturer knew better how to operate the machine. That's it, you guys. We think we know. We think what we see and what we feel and what, what our wisdom is better. But isn't God's better? <laughs> isn't God, His knowledge, His wisdom, what He's made, how He's done things, don't you think our maker knows so shouldn't we go to him then you know when you truly look at the bible as god speaking to us his truth then what are we going to do we're going to go there first right we're going to do it his way and when you do really listen to jesus you won't get caught in the dangerous drift well let's move on here to number two ignoring the consequences Something else now, the writer's coming in to help us understand this. And number two is ignoring the consequences. The dangerous drift happens when you're ignoring the connection. And now number two, ignoring the consequences. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2. It reads here, For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. And we'll stop right there. Now, in this section, the writer now does this Jewish thing, kind of a Hebrew thing. He he presents something that's lesser, and then it proves something that's greater. So he moves from the lesser to the greater here. He says here now, For if the word, which really he's referring to the law of Moses... So if this word, if the law of Moses was spoken through angels, probably a better translation is it was delivered by the angels, uh, it it was proved steadfast. In other words, the law that had been delivered, you know, on behalf of God through the angels, it stands firm as God's word. It's it's, it's God speaking there. In other words, just because the angels brought the law it's still binding. God held the people to what it said. It's an interesting thought here, yeah? The angels brought the law of God. Well, actually, the first martyr, Stephen, said in his speech in Acts 7.53, you who received the law as delivered by angels. Now, remember the writer here is writing to the Hebrew people. That's our, our, the title of the book, Hebrews, right? And so he's, he's bringing up something all the Jews understood that they believe, yeah, and they see here, and there's some other references in Deuteronomy that says that the angels were the ones who actually delivered the law for the Lord to Moses, who then Moses gave it to the people. So the law of Moses was the law of God. So since it's binding, even though the angels brought it, this is what the writer's saying. So, so the law of Moses was the law of God, and it, since it's binding, then the writer says here, every transgression and every disobedience, it's going to be dealt accordingly. Like those who broke the law received their just reward. And that's what he wrote here. In other words, the punishment met the crime in every way justice was done. So the law delivered to Moses by the angels brought serious punishment for the violation. So that's the thought here. Even though it's brought from the angels, it's still binding, but it's still brought the punishment, as we have studied in the Old Testament. You know what's interesting here is these two words that we see, transgressions and disobedience. Transgression here is the Greek word parabias, and this means to willfully step across a line. It's it's actually to intentionally do something you know is wrong. The other word disobedience is the Greek word parakoe, what it mean, actually, literally, is about, it means shut the ear. It means to deliberately not do what you know to be right. Now, transgression, parabias, it, it theologically is called the sin of commission, or commission, the sin of commission. Disobedience, parakoe, is theologically called the sin of omission. So the sin of commission is intentionally doing something wrong, stepping on the line, going against what God says it's wrong. But the sin of omission is deliberately not doing something right. So the right brings in both of these thoughts and both of, both of these things are equally bad and sinful. Almost a year ago, I was reading this article. I remember this man in Detroit was beaten with a crowbar, stabbed, and then left for dead by this dumpster. And if, it was, if that wasn't bad enough, as he was lying there, no one stopped to help him until an employee of this, the car wash there called EMS. In an interview, the beaten man said this. People were basically parking their car and literally stepping over the top of me. And then he said, and that was the other thing. There was two people I was laying on my back and I looked right into their eyes and I know they saw me and they just looked into my eyes and kept walking. So you see here, we, we see here really the man who, who, who intentionally beat this other guy committed the sin of commission. But the people who ignored the guy, the victim, committed the sin of omission. And you can see how both are just as bad. You know, I was thinking about how someone may say, well, I'm not so bad. I don't go around being rebellious and sinning and doing wrong against the Lord. I'm okay. But if you neglect seeking God like He wants you to do, you're just as bad. You may not have committed the sin of commission, but you have committed the sin of omission. Okay, now, if the word that the angels delivered for God was steadfast. It was serious and binding, transmission, obedience. Then in verse 3, the writer says, How can one really escape the punishment also if we neglect so great a salvation? So here's the lesser to the greater thing. I was thinking about with what we saw last week. If Jesus is greater than angels, then shouldn't His message, what he says, be regarded as greater than what the angels brought. The idea is, if we take the word delivered by angels seriously, then shouldn't we take the word given by Jesus even more seriously? Because there will be more serious consequences if you don't. David Gutzik wrote this, A greater word brought by a greater person having greater promises will bring a greater condemnation if it is neglected. So you understand here, ignoring the consequences is not good if you look at it that way. Look, there's no other way to be saved, right, except through Jesus. And also, there's no other way to live the saved life except through Jesus. Now, take note, some say that the word we, when they are talking about we here is, that is used here means a writer is talking to believers, the Jewish believers here. And some say that it cannot mean here that, well, uh, you, you know, it cannot be here for someone say, you know, that Jesus, uh, if we do this, we won't be saved anymore or anything like that. Well, uh, some say that, well, it, it's it's not just, uh, uh, it's not for believers, but it's for unbelievers, and, and here Jesus is telling them, hey, if, if, if you reject Christ, you won't be saved. Well, I, this is what I believe. And you can study this on your own. I think the writer is speaking both to believing Jews and unbelieving Jews. To the Jews who have come to faith in Jesus, you know, they, they know there's no other way to live the life that is a saved life. And the consequences of not listening to Jesus is really drifting into a backslidden state. Now, that's not saying that the believer lose their salvation. We're going to be looking at that later on in in Hebrews more in depth. And to the Jews, the writer, I think, who have not, well, who have heard the gospel, but never really committed, the writer identifies with them. And when he says we, he's saying like, you know, we Jews, we have to see this as serious, for as like with the law, consequences are going to come. And with Jesus, it's going to be worse. So either way, ignoring the consequences is not a good thing for your future. All right, all this brings us to the point here. You must deeply consider the outcome of your life when you don't take Jesus seriously. That's the point. You must deeply consider the outcome of your life when you don't take Jesus seriously. And that's really the focus here. That's what the writer is bringing up here. I was reading last summer the police marine units were reporting that too many boaters and people on personal watercraft were getting too close to the brink or the edge of Niagara Falls. They ignored warning signs. And these signs that say no boating, they're up like three miles from that edge of where Niagara Falls goes over. And That edge is a 167-foot drop of the falls, Niagara Falls. Now, I don't know about you, but I would listen to those warnings, right? But people weren't doing that, and the police were reporting there's so many going beyond that, beyond that. That's crazy. But you know what? What is written here is like those warning signs on the Niagara River. Yet many still don't take things seriously, and they don't deeply consider the consequences. And so the writer said, you, you must deeply consider the outcome of your life if you don't take Jesus seriously. He's the Lord. He's, he's a sufficient God. He's the eternal God that has brought this truth and salvation, how to be saved and, and how to walk that saved life. And, and if you don't listen to that, if you don't look at that, then what, what's going to happen if you don't understand the outcome and take Jesus seriously? Is that you today? Is that you? This goes with our our title, you guys. When you don't take seriously the word of God, you are in that dangerous drift. When you wander away from God's plan and what he's meant for you, when you wander away and drift away from God's best for you, when, when you don't take seriously the consequences of sin and disobedience, There are consequences. And you know what? It grieves God's heart. And you know what else happens? Your heart becomes hard toward Him and then soft toward sin. There's those sad consequences when you drift. And when you drift, what happens? You relinquish your control, right, and allowing this outside force to carry you where they will. And that is so dangerous spiritually. Think about what happens, right, when you drift. Think about these boats, just ignoring the signs. Hey, no boating, watch out, danger. And they just go over the falls. When you ignore the consequences and you don't deeply consider the outcome and not take Jesus seriously, ultimately, you miss out on that deep relationship with God. And you know, the Old Testament Jews, that's what they dreamed about. And we have it here with Jesus. I'll tell you, we have to make that choice today, right now, to take Jesus seriously. Because the consequences of not doing that can ruin much in your life. I read about Hetty Green. She had inherited $100 million. And this was along in the early 1900s. Uh, so according to today's money, she inherited $100 million when her father passed away. When she she herself passed away in 1960, she was worth $4 billion. And that's equal to today's money. But Hetty Green barely spent any of it. They say she ate Colt's oatmeal to save money on heating. They say she washed only the hem of her dress to save money on soap. They say when her son Ned broke his leg as a boy, she tried to have him treated in a free clinic for the poor And and then she treated him at home, but the consequences for inadequate care—his leg leg was later amputated. Her choice not to spend the money brought on consequences that separated her from her husband and her kids. And you know what? When she died, Hetty Green was probably the richest person around back then. But she died alone and miserable. Isn't that sad? Hedy Green, she neglected the money that was right there and lost what was important. Well, in the same sense, we can do the same with Jesus. We can neglect the greatest thing that's right there to help us. The greatest person who's there for us and can guide us through this life. Jesus is right there, but we neglect him and lose it all. Lose our family, lose our marriage, lose our life, lose our job. We have Jesus right there, yet we live in this spiritual poverty. Is that you? It's time to change, you guys. It's time to do what we're learning in chapter 1, how incredible Jesus is. We need to give Him that honor and respect in our life. And how we do that? Well, we've got to make Him important to us in what He says. We've got to take Him seriously. Because the consequences are good, are not good. We don't want to be like missing what we have in our hands. I mean, all along we have the word of God, the truth of Jesus right there. But we never used it in our lives. Let's go to number three, our last sitting here, ignoring the confirmation. In the dangerous drift, it happens when you're ignoring the connection, when you're ignoring the consequences, and lastly, number three, ignoring the confirmation. We go on here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, in the second part, Second part, and it says, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Now, the writer here is saying this, the message of the truth of the gospel of Jesus of God, it, it, It first began or was first announced by Jesus Christ. It was was spoken by the Lord Jesus. And then it was confirmed to us by those who heard him, which is the apostles confirmed or testified what they had heard directly from Jesus and passed that down. Now, take note. I think this is interesting for the writer to say that he had heard the truth from the apostles Uh, says most likely Paul did not write this book, for Paul did hear directly from Jesus, as we know in Acts 9. But the idea here is this. First, the Lord himself brought the truth, and then the apostles shared it with the church. And that's what they were supposed to do. Jesus told them in John 15, 27, And you must also testify about me, because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. And then, not only that, Not only like Jesus himself spoke, and that that should be a word to us, right? Not only then the apostles who heard Jesus, they shared the same truth. Not only that, God gave his own confirmation. And look at verse 4. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. So God also gave confirmation. I mean, the gospel... Uh, was powerful in itself, but God also bore witness with signs and wonders and all kinds of various miracles. God confirmed this truth through his powerful work and miracles that he did. And not only that, the writer says here at the end of verse, for God also bore witness with the gifts of the Holy Spirit which was given according to his will. In other words, it was not anything any human person did. It was God, his doing, he gifted people in different ways according to his will. So the idea is if God himself gives confirmation to the truth in the gospel, then there's no way that we should be ignoring the confirmation, right? That should speak to us. That should say something to us. It it, it would be foolish to to ignore all that, one commentator said that he he said it this way: the miracles and the presence of the Spirit dis- demonstrate the superiority of Christian, of the Christian gospel. Drifting away from that truth would be a foolhardy stunt. Now, uh, just a little side note here. Some say that, well, you know, this, this is saying that, well, the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. They're no longer needed. It was only to validate the apostles and their message in the early church. But I have to disagree. God, I see, is still confirming His gospel and the truth with miracles, with signs, with wonders. I've seen them. I've experienced it. You have too. You know. You know what I see? I see transformed lives. That's what the gospel does. And I see in that transformed life, people are no longer the same. And I see the gifts of the Spirit come upon them and they they in full bloom upon His children. I see God still healing, still protecting, still providing, still working His will. You know what I see? I still see those miracles. Don't you? Jesus never said in Mark sixteen fifteen, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then verse 17 says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Oh, except for those who believe after apostles. No, it's a promise for all of us. And I know that my Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God has and is confirming his truth even today. So our last point is this, this morning. You must recognize God did and is confirming his message and then fully embrace Jesus Christ. You must recognize God did confirm his message and then fully embrace Jesus Christ, right? He gave us the evidence, God himself. And so, look, he's saying, it's real. Look what I'm doing come embrace me put me as a priority put me as number one listen to what i'm saying you gotta recognize god did confirm his message and then fully and then fully embrace jesus christ many of you know and as we've been talked about lane and his wife naoko they're going to be moving to okinawa our, our missionary couple here and and even though, I mean, their, their whole story has been a miracle. Anyway, many of you know the story of how God brought Lane and Naoko together. And through prayer, seeking the Lord. I mean, uh, you can ask them. They they received many confirmations. Even with this move, and we're going to talk about more of that Saturday night. But even as the Lord brought them together, there's so many confirmations that the Lord was putting them together. You know, one of my f- Favorite was when um, uh, uh, they were uh, Lane was 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 still dating Naoko and before they were married and and God was really putting them together and God. among of my favorite confirmations was when Lane decided to take Naoko to the beach for watch the sunset. Now Lane tells me she wanted to go to the Haina, but I did not want to go to the Haina. <laughs> but Lane ended up taking her to this special place, and uh, it's a uh, Keabakapu Beach at the end of Kihei there. Lane wanted to show Naoko this beach where his dad uh, took him and Dean, his brother, fishing. It's where he grew up, you know, going fishing before all the condos and things were there. And, and now, understand this was the first time Naoko w- was ever there. As they were walking along the beach, she recognized this beach. She recognized the water. She recognized the scenery, the palm trees, and everything. And I remember her sharing that that she, she, had, she was like walking going, oh no, I, I've seen this before. And what happened was one year before that, and she was still in Okinawa at that time, after they had a, uh, Pastor Tommy guys had a water baptism, she went for a walk alone down the beach. And as she took that walk, the Lord gave her a vision, and the vision that the Lord gave her was this very beach. The palm trees, everything, everything to, to its detail. And, and she was telling me, yeah, I had this vision. It was this beach, the shore, and everything, water, and the palm trees. And I was walking hand in hand with this guy. And this was before anything about Lane. Well, that was the same beach that Lane took her to. The vision she had was the the, the same beach Lane took her to. What a confirmation there, Yeah. I told her, "Wow, praise the Lord! Now I know what you guys are doing. You were actually holding hands at that time. <laughs> 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 That's what was important to me." No. Now, what if after that incredible confirmation, what if after all the other ones? I mean, just just it was a huge God thing. You can ask them. What if after all that, Uncle says, "Nah." I'm not getting married. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. nah, nah. I'm not going to do that. Right? I mean, basically, that would be so disobedient. Right? I mean, that would be so going against what God is. Look, Noko, if you had any doubt, no more. Don't doubt. Nah. Right? I don't want. I don't know. Well, that's what the writer is saying here, you guys. Ignore the comfort that god has brought not embracing jesus fully and what he says and who he is is basically just going against everything god has put before you what more do we need right what more do we need how can you not see how important jesus is to be in your life what is it that keeps you from fully embracing jesus What keeps you from making the word of God a priority in your life? What keeps you from making Jesus himself your first love? What is that? If he's the son of God, the eternal God, our maker, our sustainer, our Lord, why are we still picking and choosing about, oh, should I go or not? Should I go to church or not? Or, oh, I don't know, yeah, maybe I read my Bible or not. Many of us walk around and say, hey, God is great. Yeah, he's so great. Yet, is he great enough for you to take the time to meet with him every day? Seems it's more convenient, yeah, to maybe stay up and watch your favorite show than to go to bed early so you can wake up early and spend time with God before you go work. Someone said this, when we consider something great, we will naturally pay attention to it and not neglect it. If we do not consider something great, we leave it to convenience rather than to commitment. Oh, that was like, wow. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Who is God to you? Is God just, well, if it's convenient and he fits in my schedule, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Or are you committed to him? Are you given over to him? Do you love him so much that everything else is put to the side? Was there a time when every day you couldn't wait to be with God? Was there a time when in every week you went to whatever meetings you could at church because you wanted to be with the Lord and his people? But now the fire has cooled down. No more flame. No more hunger. You know what that means? You've drifted. Or perhaps maybe you sit here you, right now and you think, I'm okay. I'm all right with it. But are you? I'll close with this. In 1775, a man named Robert Robinson had been saved by Jesus Christ. He'd been saved out of a life of sin and God miraculously saved him through the ministry of George Whitfield, actually, in England. Shortly after that, at the age of 23, Robinson wrote the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Streams of Mercy Never Ceasing. We sing that sometimes here in church. The sad story is there, Robinson drifted far from those streams, and like the prodigal son, he journeyed back into the world in a life of carnality. One day he was traveling by stagecoach and sitting beside a young woman who was really into her book. And then she turned to him because she ran across these words that she thought were so beautiful and and asked him, well, what do you think about this? This is what this says. And it was a verse out of a hymn. And she quoted this line. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the God I love. Robinson was convicted. He burst into tears and he said, Madam, I am the poor unhappy man who wrote that same hymn many years ago that was come thou fount and he said i would give a thousand worlds if i could enjoy the feelings i had then she was pretty shocked and surprised but you know what she reassured him that the streams of mercy mentioned in this song still flow mr robinson was deeply touched and you know what he repented and he turned that wandering heart to the Lord. He stopped drifting and he was restored to full fellowship with the Lord. Has your heart wandered away from God? God wants to bring you back. Will you come? Will you come? Streams mercy. The sh- streams are still there for you. Don't think you're okay. Don't think that well. I am okay as a Christian living like I am. Don't think you're okay without that. Full embracing Jesus Christ, a full commitment to God. Don't think that. Because if you do, then you're in the dangerous drift. Let's pray. Lord, help us today. God, that we do not get up, get caught up in the currents of this world, Lord, in the undercurrents of our flesh, in the things that draw us away from you, that come in between you and us, Lord. Lord, help us that our heart will not wander away and drift, Lord, from what is the most important thing in our life, which is you, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those who are here today who can look back at a time when their heart was aflame more than they are today. God, stir us up, Lord. Set us on fire. Let our love for you be above everything and anything and anyone in this whole world, Lord. God, we want to put you first. Lord, we want to make you the priority. We don't want to just fit you into our schedules and our busy life, but We want you to be our schedule. And Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who has drifted off. And they hear your loving call. And they feel your heart as you're touching them through your spirit right now. Through the conviction, God. And through, Lord, the warmth of your welcome that's saying, come back, come back. As our eyes are closed right now, I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you're here today and your heart has wandered, you have drifted off and it's it's time. It's time to come back. I want you to just slip your hand up and down and just let God know that I want to come back. I want to come back. Put your hand up. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. You two over there. God bless you too. Anyone else? Don't leave this moment in the past. God bless you too. Let this day today the day that you stopped wandering, stopped drifting, and you have gone back to the Lord and put Jesus Christ first. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, I pray for those who raise their hands, who call out to you, God, who honestly, Lord, bravely, unashamedly said, God, I need you. Lord, I know they are sincere hands, Lord, are raised up, and may you see them and, and touch them right now. Forgive us all for our sins when we wander and drift. Forgive them, Lord. And bring about a restoration, a renewing, Lord. And may you put inside of them that fire, God. And may your Holy Spirit come down upon all of us right now, Lord, that we would keep you, hold to, Lord, staying the course of making you, Lord, the most important person in our life. We embrace you fully, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.